This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Very difficult game for different reasons. So, um, as Villa obviously um, good organized, made it, made it really tricky for us. Was they wanted to have counter attacks, stuff like that. The wind made it tricky for both teams, but obviously it was really it was it was really um, hard today to play normal football. But we had to be just to stay on track and, and have to do the right things um, more and more. And um, especially in the second half already, uh, we had more of the, of, good, of the good moments when the positioning was slightly better and all that stuff. So we made three change, changes in decisive areas, which are uh, which is was important I think from a physical point of view. And um, so you could see we needed a little bit to to get used to it. But then um, yeah. Last 20, 25 minutes, the goals we scored. We, we, could, we could have scored a similar goal already earlier. Sadio was in a situation where he, when he makes a step, he's already there. I think um, two situations which could or should have been penalties um, on more. You're not. You cannot, um, we got a penalty for arms and stuff like this against Man City and today and you don't give these penalties where the people do exactly the same. So that's a bit um, unlucky but um, all the rest I'm completely fine. We, we are where we are because we won the difficult games and um, tonight it was again a difficult one but we won it. On the ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. That was Jurgen Klopp saying that it was a tough game against Villa but happy that his Liverpool side uh, progress with a good performance in the end. On the ball with me, Ross, on a Monday evening. Uh, get in touch. It's BFM Radio uh, via Twitter. Follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook as well. And please give us a follow. We've started a YouTube channel. It's TFIF on video. At the moment, we're, we're releasing two videos a week. So, well worth a subscription, don't you think? TFIF on video via YouTube. Right, helping me review the weekend's action then. We've got three esteemed gentlemen. Uh, Bob Holmes is here. When I say esteemed, I mean you, Bob. Uh, Steam not coming out of my ears then. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, everybody. It is actually another last-minute goal. Yeah. We conceded. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Nicholas Anil, hello. Nice of you to join hello, us. Ross. United flying high in the championship. Yes, indeed. Uh, but the race is not over. Just keeping the faith and marching on together. And returning after a long time away. What? Once upon a time, our regular producer, uh, an Arsenal fan as well, Andy Whitelaw is here. Hello, Andy. Nice to see you, mate. Yeah, Arsenal fan and proud uh, through good times and bad. It's good times, though, again, which is nice. And uh, missed the football, missed you boys as well. So good to see you. We've all missed you, Andy. Right, let's look back at the weekend's football then. The game that uh, was on Sunday night, early Monday morning, was Liverpool, the new English champions, back at home and back to winning ways. It was 2-0 against Aston Villa. But for more than an hour, Bob, Villa held their own and you thought, hang on a sec, is there <laughs> going to be a point here? Just for one fleeting moment. Yeah, um, a bit reminiscent of the uh, previous game between these two when uh, Villa went even closer. If you remember, uh, Liverpool scored twice in the last three minutes of that game. Um, otherwise, they were looking at a defeat back in November, I think. So um, Villa seemed to be able to stifle Liverpool, unlike most teams. Um, it's hard to make out 
which Liverpool is going to turn up since the resumption. They've been terrible against Everton, brilliant against Crystal Palace, terrible against uh, Man City, and very mediocre against Villa. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Um, Klopp is saying that uh, he believes in the integrity of the league. He doesn't want to field a, a kid's team and affect the relegation issues. I think that's very commendable. But he is slipping in the odd youngster, and Curtis Jones repaid him for that with a, a late goal, his first at Anfield. And he is probably the most likely of those young lads pushing for a regular starting place. So although the performance wasn't very good, I think the fact that Jones scored um, kind of made up a bit. They got the two point, uh, three points and they kept a clean sheet. So they're on course for the 100-point record of Man City. So uh, a, a reasonably satisfactory outing for Liverpool. Mm. Nicholas Arnil, uh, Aston Villa have got it all to do. They, they've got Man United next. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that later. But do you reckon you've seen enough from, from them since the restart? Are, are they going to avoid relegation for you? No. <laughs> they, they did well in the first half, as they all saw. You know, uh, they really went toe-to-toe with Liverpool. But uh, they just seemed to lack the cutting edge in the final third. And I think it boils down to the lack of uh, quality striker. You know, last season they had Tammy Abraham was banging the goals uh, for them in the championship. But come this season, you know, they really don't have someone to uh, a recognized striker to find the goals. And and as much as the midfield, you know, can help out the likes of uh, Douglas Lewis and and, and all, uh, they just don't have that that finishing uh, touch. And and that's what showed against uh, Liverpool. And they were ultimately made to pay the price. You know, so you know they have a lot of heart. They have a lot of spirit. But I, I don't think they have the quality to stay in the Premier League. And, you know, this defeat seems to have sealed their fate. Mm. Andy, do you reckon this Liverpool <clears throat> side, I mean, they can still beat Man City's record 100-point total. Um, are, are we being a bit too, too harsh on them? Because, as Bob mentioned, they have looked a bit lacklustre since winning the title. I don't think you've been that harsh, have you, Bob? <laughs> like Luster, I, come on. I think I'm, they're entitled to be. It does seem like the longest hangover of all time, though, doesn't it? But if they can win 2-0 with a hangover and get a youngster on the score sheet as well, I think you'd take it, wouldn't you? I, we've got to remind ourselves just how significant this title win is for them and just how luxurious a position they're in now. Getting the odd youngster in there, Curtis Jones, born and bred, sorts his feet out superbly well, tucks it home. Sadio Mane on the score sheet as well. Yes, I think they had, uh, what, 13 1-0 victories in this title run. Yep. But now they can kind of add the gloss. They can put the cherry on top. They can, I mean, their home form is insane. What is it, 57 uh, yep. points or 57 games in a row? 17 winning at home? wins out of 17 this season. Well, they, That's, wild. Andy, uh, That's wild. Sorry to interrupt, but they've taken your title 1-0. <laughs> They've got one nil to the Liverpool now. Yeah, but but Bob, the back line don't have their hands up. It's not the same. It's not the it doesn't same. Count. It doesn't count. They, they, they haven't got Tony it. Adams. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, Liverpool are good, and we'll, we'll we'll talk about them more later. But sticking with young guns, then Andy, let, let, let's talk about um, Jamie Vardy <laughs> because he bagged his hundredth and a hundred and first goal, a uh, Premier League goal. Um, in, for, for Leicester City in a 3-0 win over Crystal Palace. It's a return to form for Leicester, who were also 
stuttering because they, they looked nailed on for a Champions League spot earlier on. But uh, a much-needed win, Andy. Yeah, it's funny, wasn't it? Because you saw Vardy and it was the albatross around his neck. He was really seeming to force the issue. And he looked every bit a Fleetwood Town striker, didn't he? But then the Jamie of Ardy of old, what a gift. Just a lovely tap-in. And then the second goal, he had so much to do, just how he put put it into fifth gear. And the finish, to be going at that kind of pace, to tuck that one in the corner was vintage Vardy. And Rogers was singing his praises, wasn't he? Those two seemed like a little bit of a Scorsese-DiCaprio matchup. They, they, they do well together. <laughs> <laughs> and, Who did uh, they play for, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, West Ham United. Now, haven't you? Big Brendan... <laughs> Fox is back on form. A lot of people starting to doubt their top four credentials. And yeah. that's huge for them. 3-0 win. Vardy loving life again. That's all the momentum they need as we get really into the business end. Now, they look good. Uh, they look kind of, you know, back on song, firing again. And Vardy's been so integral to them this season. He hasn't lost a, a yard of pace, has he, in his 30s? No, he, he hasn't. No. And, and Bob, um, we're, we've got lots of young English players to talk about this week. Uh, in this Leicester game, young Harvey Barnes came on as a substitute. He, he had a, a brace of assists, seventh and eighth of the season. That's the most of any Leicester City player. Now, he too looks pretty useful, doesn't he? He does, um, but uh, not as useful as uh, Mason Greenwood and Phil Foden and a bunch of others we could mention. Uh, as Andy's, Andy's here, will mention uh, Saka as well. Um, but the postponement of the uh, Euros is probably going to benefit England because some of these guys I've just mentioned weren't probably quite ready for this year. They'd be, I mean, they'd be playing it now, wouldn't they, if England were still in? Um, but I think they're going to be ready by next year, assuming it takes place. Uh, they've had that extra year, extra season and a half to mature. And some of these guys are looking very tasty indeed. I mean, you've got half a team there just off the top of your head. You name the outstanding ones, Foden, Sancho, uh, Greenwood, Saka. How many is that? Four. Then you've got the likes of hudson Odoi, a little bit behind in the queue. Uh, but Mason Mount, Jack Grealish. You've got old man Marcus Rashford, Bob. Uh, oh, yeah, at, relatively at old. A, a relative veteran at 22. <laughs> James Madison. Did we say Madison? James Madison, well? yeah. So, I mean, this is, this is looking pretty promising, isn't it? Uh, don't want to get carried away, but it, no. it is. But Bob Holmes has just won England the Euros here. You thought it was cancelled, <laughs> but he's just literally won it here. <laughs> um, no, um, lots of promising players. Right, let's talk about Mason Greenwood and, and Man United. Nicholas, I know it was 5-2 against Bournemouth. Mason Greenwood showcased his talent, all right. Left foot, right foot. Um, he's now had a starting berth in, in United's last two games, and he looks the part, doesn't he? Yeah, certainly does. Uh, as, as Bob mentioned, I think he's probably one of the uh, top players in, in the packing order for this future uh, England team. And you could just see the quality that he showed. What I like about him as compared to, to Rashford is that as soon as he gets the ball, he already makes up his mind what he's going to do. You know, he doesn't hesitate. He doesn't uh, wait around for, the, for, for, for options to open up, you know. Uh, in fact, for his second goal, uh, they had, the, the Bournemouth players were shouting at, at the, the goalie especially, did you hear? Yeah, don't let him turn. And 
you know he did the opposite he just dragged it on uh, to his right foot and blasted it into the top corner you know and and oligonas rocha has already compared made comparisons with himself by saying that you know greenwood is a better striker than him uh, when he was his age um, and i think he'll just continue to 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 grow in in stature but what grace uh, mason greenwood needs to to actually do at this point is keep a level head you know we've seen so many strikers who have peaked have shown so much of quality but then you know simmered down uh, later in the season uh, i think he's got a good manager and ole gunnar solskjaer just going to guide him through the ranks uh, and but what what we've seen i think united fans have plenty to cheer about um andy ole said mason greenwood was the best finisher he's ever seen what what better than than harland <laughs> Look, I, I don't want to get I don't want to get too carried away. I've already compared Brendan Rodgers to Martin Scorsese. <laughs> you can't top that one, surely. But if his own manager's getting carried away, there's a couple of things that stood out for me. One, I really liked it when uh, Solskjaer said he can do it in front of 75 people, 75,000 training, the playground, the back garden doesn't matter. And I don't know if you saw say uh, the last dance with Michael Jordan, yeah, but one thing yeah. that one of his coaches said about him was his ability to be in the present and you all know what it's like to be in front of goal whether it's at futsal or or whatever or your school you can go to pieces when that moment comes right but he's got that coolness and i thought he took it too wide for the second one but then bang it's in the top corner and there's a lot to love about this this player uh, i like that stat as well the one that came out about uh, only michael owen robbie fowler and wayne rooney Yeah. uh scored what was it eight league goals for united mm-hmm. now and and that's among players 18 and younger only owen done that twice fowler and rooney so that's a decent company for him he looks to have the lot united fans understandably getting pretty excited but i think the neutrals enjoying him as well yeah bob bournemouth have lost 20 points from leading positions this season <laughs> if you look at it you go well that's why they're where they are aren't they but but yeah i mean twice they they look promising when they scored but they they just can't carry it off and and you look at the whole team you look at eddie how they 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 lost they they've lost their ideas now aren't they Yeah, well, Eddie House comments afterwards. His body language mm. basically has given up the ghost, hasn't he? Um, I mean, the truth is it, they've been punching above their weight the whole time, haven't they? Um, I mean, it's it's good to see these uh, smaller clubs rise up. Um, they came from the third division, you know. Um, it had a meteoric rise, and they managed to stay in the top flight for what four, four or five seasons. They seem almost like uh, permanent residents, don't they? They seem to start off well, get enough points in the autumn to uh, see them through, but not this year. Um, I mean, on 10,000 crowds, I mean, that's the capacity of the ground. Yeah. They can't sustain it. And it's been a, a remarkable job by Eddie Howe to keep them up there. And I think that this is now just inevitable that they're going to go back down and i just hope they don't follow huddersfield who look as if they're going to go down again twice in a row yeah because yeah. there is that you know you mentioned momentum the momentum can go the other way and even with parachute payments uh, which are a huge boost uh, to a, uh, a relegated club even with those uh, sometimes it doesn't prevent a side from uh, going straight down to the third tier So uh yeah I think it's goodbye to Bournemouth and you wonder if we'll ever see them at that level again. Yeah. I hope it's not goodbye to Eddie Howe because I think he's got something to offer. I think um he probably regrets now staying there 
I think he could have had a bigger job had he uh, been less loyal to Bournemouth. Um, it might be a bit of a struggle for him now because he's got relegation on his CV, even if it's not really his fault. Um, but uh, no, they haven't got much to uh, commend them. Uh, they'll probably lose one or two of their best players. And, um, you know, they're, they're, we won't see them again. I, ca I can't see them bouncing back. Unlike Norwich, who I can see bouncing back. But we'll, we'll come on to that, I suppose, later. That's okay. why Bob's the main man, isn't it? Really, I mean, he's just encapsulated everything beautifully. Everything I was wondering, did Hal stay on too long? Has he missed the opportunity of the bigger club? Bob just had it all. Yep. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> and and that, that is the perfect, Bob is the perfect radio guest to go into your first break with. <laughs> We're going to be back talking about the Arsenal. Stay tuned. This match would normally have over 80,000 pairs of eyes trained on it, but now... On the ball on BFM 89.9. And once more, footballers of all racial backgrounds take a knee to express a united opinion that black lives matter. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking around. Bob Holmes, Andy Whitelaw and Nicholas Arnil joining me to look back at match week 33 in the EPL. We've spoken about Liverpool getting back to winning ways, Leicester's Vardy breaking records and Mason Greenwood, one for the future. There's another young player at Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal won 2-0 at Wolves. Probably their, their most impressive result under Mikel Arteta. Um, Andy Whitelaw, resident Arsenal fan. Uh, lots to say about the team. First of all, in Arteta you trust Andy? Question mark, question mark. Yeah, 100%. Even before he started to get it right, I saw enough in him of him addressing the issues. I don't think we can overstate the issues. There are issues galore at that football club, both on the pitch, in the dressing room and at board level. There's so much to do. You kind of feel for him, but he's starting to put things right. I think one of the most significant is when you look at just how many goals Arsenal were conceding under Unai Emery and how many they're conceding now. It's not going to happen overnight, but this was massive. I think it's been five years since Arsenal beat a side who were above them in the table away from home, which is pretty damning. But With the fact a clean that done it again, as well. Well, there you go. And this Wolves side have been so impressive. So to do what they did, look, it wasn't that exciting per se. And I think that's the next level. That's the next building block that needs to be implemented. Arsenal are a side, you know, uh, one nil to the Arsenal, notwithstanding. You know, they're, they're a side that we're used to enjoying. They've held their shape. Louise actually had a good game. Mustafi's got his confidence back. Granite Xhaka's integral to what the team are doing. Hasn't committed a howler. I don't want to jinx him in, in a little while. But everything's really looking up. And, and there's players as well, like Emil Smith-Rowe, who we haven't seen a lot of, who will come into the side. So exciting. You know, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, we thought his career at Arsenal was over. All over the pitch, there's there's room for positives. It's funny what a two 0 win would do, right? Yeah, but, uh, yeah A couple absolutely. of weeks ago against Brighton, it was a different story. <laughs> I, I'm feeling feeling good, not getting carried away. Mm. But quite a week it's been for young Bukayo Saka. Nick um, signed a new long term contract, and and if you saw his his post match interview as well, he's he's very calm, you know. And his goal, let's not forget, it was beautiful, right? Yeah, it's a technical goal of the highest quality. What a, what a great uh, way to celebrate an extension of the contract. But uh, his rise is also a testament to what Arteta has done with this Arsenal team. You know, as Andy mentioned, so many young players that have been blended in. And since Arteta has come in, he's made 
several bold decisions. You know, firstly was to omit Mesut Ozil, even though he was the club's highest goal scorer. You know, he immediately took him out. You know, second he was to reinstate the likes of Luis. You know, to bring back that confidence in him. And he's also starting with Eddie and Kutia. You know, Saka is is playing as well, and Maitland Niles. So all these young players have have come in, and, and they they seem the the future of Arsenal. You know, no longer uh, depending on on big names uh, to produce the goods all the time. Even Lacazette, you know, before the break, he was constantly starting with Abu Mayang. But uh, at this point, Arteta has decided, you know, that uh, Eddie Nketiah is the man to do the job, and and he almost got himself a goal yeah. uh, yesterday. So you know, just a testament to the work that Arteta has done. And as Andy mentioned, you know, Arteta is beginning to get things right with Arsenal. And I think this is what the Arsenal fans want to see. They want to see young English uh, players, you know, coming into the squad and and being given more playing time as as compared to before when when Arsenal was, you know, just flooded with with foreigners. All right, a uh, few words about Wolves then, Bob. They were hoping to build on an impressive restart. They had the the momentum that everyone's talking about. Uh, the thing is, the pressure was on for them going into this game because. Top four contenders, Leicester, Man United, recorded victories. So they would have seen that. They would have known that it's a big game. Um, is it what it is? Is it, is it because Wolves had been, have been punching above their weight as well? Well, um, yes, possibly. Um, they didn't look a top four side. No. Uh, yes, at the weekend, did they? Certainly not. But that's credit um, to Arsenal as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but... Uh, I mean, they won't go away. I think they Europa League um, level. Um, a, a little bit... Uh, one player who does disappoint a little in the, uh, in the outcome is Traore. I mean, he's the sort of one of the men of the season, but he, he never scores. And you saw... Well, never. I think he scored three. And when you think of the runs he's made, getting into scoring positions, I know he's an unselfish player. He does part with the balls, mainly to Jimenez. But uh, three goals uh, for a player of his uh, capability is, uh, is not enough. And you saw him fluff a couple, balloon one over the bar after getting into a, a good position against uh, Arsenal. Mm. So um, they're relying a bit too much on Jimenez to score. And when he doesn't, they don't. Basically, it boils down to that, doesn't it? Um, they could probably do with another striker to take the load off Jimenez. Um, I mean, he may be on his way. There, there have been rumours. I mean, um, it would be hard for them to refuse uh, something like 100 million, which is being talked about uh, for, for um, the Mexican but um, then they would have to get somebody. But uh, I think they need somebody anyway. Um, they haven't strengthened much since that initial burst of Portuguese players that came in about three seasons ago with uh, Jorge Mendes in charge. Um, they haven't recruited that many players, actually. And I think probably uh, they need to. I think if, they, if they're talking about Champions League, they're just a little a level below that. They probably didn't expect to be up there that high. And they are where they thought they'd be. But the next step is going to need some, some new bodies in the side. All right. Uh, well done, Arsenal. First win against a side above them in the league since 2015. All right. Chelsea returned to winning ways. Chelsea 3, Watford uh, nil. We're talking about young English players, Andy. I'm not sure if Ross Barkley still falls into that category. But 
he was stand out for me in this Chelsea performance. He's had a couple of really good outings now for Frank Lampard. Big Ross Barkley. Yeah, <laughs> fair play to him. Fair play exactly. to Frank Lampard. It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, among a lot of the top clubs, this kind of generation of young talent coming through. We can't talk about young talent in terms of Barkley anymore. I feel like he was one who... He'll come good. He'll come good. He's in his mid-late 20s now, isn't he? And, mm. and he finally seems to be flourishing under Lampard. But it's a 3-0 win against a hapless Watford. And it's, it's another one that I think you've got to credit the manager for, really. Yeah, Barkley was good. But I just think Giroud coming back into the side, lovely finish for him. The decision-making for Lampard, I mean, they had a little blip against West Ham. For them to come back and make a statement like this is... They, they love playing for the manager. You can tell there's an identity about Chelsea. And with James coming through, Mason Mount as well, a lot of the top clubs like Liverpool, Arsenal, Manchester United, there's this fulcrum of youngsters who kind of embody the identity of the club. And I think we're seeing it at Chelsea as well. Abraham as well on the bench. Yeah. Good win for Chelsea. Uh, Kicking in, in the nether regions for Watford. But they, they, they've still got games to save their season and they are worse teams at the moment. Uh, Southampton, though. Is not one of them. They had a, probably the shock of the weekend result. 1-0 win against Man City. Not only that, the goal scorer was probably a shock as well. Che Adams, who they've signed from Birmingham City what, over a year ago. It's taken him 30 appearances, Nicholas Arnil, to open his account. But what an important goal. What a massive win for Southampton over Man City. Yeah, Che Adams was actually a huge target for Leeds who were chasing him uh, uh, before the January transfer window. He was their biggest target. But for some uh, bizarre reason at that time, Ralph Hasenhalter just refused to let uh, Che Adams go. Even though Leeds were prepared to pay uh, in the regions of 15 to 20 million you know, for, for, for a striker that wasn't even going to start for, for Southampton. But he finally got his goal. And what a goal it turned out to be. You know, Just that awareness to see Edison off his line uh, and that... Uh, that, that brazenness to, to shoot from, from 40 yards. Uh, but we have to credit Southampton. Uh, they, they took the lead so early on, you know, in the 15th minute, and they had to defend for their lives in the next 75 minutes. Credit to them. You know, they really packed men behind the goal. And Alex McCarthy did a wonderful job, you know, just yeah. keeping uh, the uh, Man City's uh, players at bay. Uh, it's, a, it's a credit uh, to, to uh, Ralph Hasenhalter as well and the Southampton board, you know, not too long ago. He was uh, odds on to be the next manager uh, out the door. Mm. Uh, but they kept faith with him, you know, they stuck with him, allowed him to, to continue uh, choosing, you know, the players that he wanted. And now it's paying dividends and they've just uh, notched the biggest win of the season. All right. Um, short break then. When we come back, we'll, we'll wrap up the, the weekend's EPL. Also, a quick look around Europe. Stay tuned. Lovely football. Speed of that uh, passage of play. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9 has come up with uh, something beyond the ordinary. That is a brilliantly elastic save. This is On The Ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Bob Holmes, Andy Whitelaw, Nicholas Arnil in the house, or rather in their houses, because we're all very safe that way. Uh, tweet us at BFM Radio. Follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. And have you subscribed to our YouTube channel yet? It's TFIF on video. We've got uh, new videos coming out every Friday and sometimes Tuesdays as well. 
So TFIF on video via YouTube. Right, uh, the guys and I, uh, just to wrap up the, the weekend's EPL action then, come to you first, Bob. Norwich nil, Brighton won after the game. Daniel Farker said um, survival is really pie in the sky. It's a dream now. Um, they were naive, weren't they? Coming into the season, spending £2 million, uh, trying to play out from the back when they quite obviously, after a few games, you saw they haven't got the personnel to do that. Not at this level. No, and they refused to spend big, as some clubs do. Um, they didn't panic. I think they just accepted their lot that this was going to be one season at, at this rarefied altitude. And if they could somehow eke out a few wins here and there, uh, they could probably enjoy it for another season. But uh, they haven't had the best of luck. And uh, without reinforcing the squad, uh, they really had no chance. And now they're going to go down. Um, there's going to be some distance, I think, between them and the next team. Uh, they won't be the worst team that's ever been in the Premier League. But um, they're not quite there. They're a yo-yo team. And uh, they've been up and down uh, twice in the last decade. And I'd be uh, quite surprised if they didn't come back up next season because <laughs> they've got some good young players. And when I look at the championship and then I look at Norwich, I think Norwich are, are the best, are much better than anybody in the championship. And I'm including Nick's leads in that. I mean, <laughs> leads will probably strengthen uh, next season and look altogether different. But at the moment, um, I think the Norwich are a class above any championship side. So um, it gives you an idea of the standard of the championship, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but uh, no, the, the club is, is managing within its means. And this, this is the great pity. And I know this is what Des will call the futility of the game or the futility of clubs such as this. I mean, what's the point? If you can't hack it at the top level, what's the point of going there? Well, you ask the fans. They think there's a point. And they love it. And mm -hmm. if they can nick a goal against the likes of Liverpool or Man City, then uh, it's, it's great. It's something to, to savour. But unfortunately, with the great discrepancy in the finances between the EPL and the rest of the league, there's always going to be those teams, those in-betweeners, if you like, who are better than the rest, but not quite good enough for the top flight. And Norwich epitomised that. Yeah. It seems a long time ago since Pookie Mania, doesn't it? Really? He looked like the... Yeah. <laughs> wasn't like even the on the side. That's a delicate saying. That's a delicate <laughs> saying. Yeah, he didn't even start, but he looked like the second coming of Christian Vieri at the start of the season. <laughs> and then, then he kind of went off the boil. So, But Cantwell looks great. I'm a big fan of his. Uh, a, a, quick word, a quick word then, guys, about how well Graham Potter has done at Brighton. Surely Daniel Farker's looking across and thinking that's what Norwich should be like. Uh, Graham Potter, I, I like how you know he revitalizes the team immediately after defeat. You know, uh, it doesn't take long for for Brighton to bounce back. You know, they're not made up of a bunch of superstars. You know, uh, they had Glenn Murray, which was banging in the goals for them. But, but when the goals dried up for Murray, you know, they, you had others stepping in, uh, and it's just it's just a testament to how uh, uh, Graham Potter has come in and transformed this Brighton side. They're not a spectacular side, you know, but they're always capable of giving the big boys a run for their money. We saw that against Arsenal. They put so much of heart, uh, so much of grit in their performance. They work together as a team. 
And I think that's what uh, Grandpa has instilled uh, in, in this Brighton side. You know, they never take anything for granted. They always go out and give their best. And as a result, you can see that they're comfortably, you know, uh, staying in the in the Premier League uh, for next season. And they're always going to give uh, the big boys a run for their money. All right. Can anyone uh, tell me if he has he been putting on plays and stuff? Because at Osterson's, he had this really unique approach to bond the team together and was putting on, made them do Shakespeare plays and weird stuff, to be <laughs> fair, for a football manager. But if he's, I'd love to see him doing that in the Premier League. It's probably, yeah, he probably has a Graham, Graham uh, pot roast every Sunday uh, for his team. But yeah, uh, well done, well done, Brighton. Right, let's wrap up our look at the EPL then. Uh, quick word about West Ham United, uh, Andy Whitelaw. Uh, David Moyes is going to get the hammers out of it again. 2-2 draw away at Newcastle. No mean feat these days. Yeah, fair play to... Well, both these managers probably deserve uh, a little bit of an end-of-season celebration, right? Brucey much maligned as well. The Hammers fans really didn't fancy it when Moyes came back, did they? But now he's starting to curry favour. Yeah, if he does it again, it'll be something quite remarkable. And there's talent in that squad. They've just spent so poorly and wasted so much money over the years, particularly on strikers. But as you said, uh, a point against Newcastle away from home, it's, uh, it's not, not easy. And, and Moyes does seem like the right man for the job. I think he's got to show some steel and he's got to be annoyed about some of the things said about him, really, because yeah. it's, it's hard for old David Moyes. I mean, look at what he achieved at Everton and, and everything that happened at United, then Sunderland. He'll feel that he has more to offer. He's a competitor. And I think this could be a great marriage between him and West Ham if he can settle them sign astutely and, and stay there for a little while. It's uh, going to be easier said than done. All right. It'll be the new Sam Allardyce. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, better looking as well. Oh, my God, I can't <laughs> believe I just said that. <laughs> One more game to make up round uh, match week 33, and, and that's Spurs against Everton. That's uh, 3 a.m. Uh, Tuesday morning. Um, let's have a quick look around Europe, Bob. Tell me how good Robert Lewandowski and Bayern Munich are. Uh, Lewandowski's passed 50 goals this season. Munich beat Leverkusen 4-2 to, to win the DBF Pokal, their, their FA Cup equivalent. So it's their 20th German Cup. It's their 13th domestic double. I mean, you talk about domination in the league. There's no one like Bayern, Bob. No. Um, you say, how good are they? Well, they're too good, aren't they? They really are. I mean, uh, at least in Spain, you get a two-horse race. Whereas <laughs> this, is not, this is not even a race. It's a, it's a horse going out for a canter, and they still win by a distance. I mean, um, Borussia Dortmund used to challenge them uh, once upon a time, but despite having some good players, they still can't quite get it together, can they? And uh, you never know whether Max Hummels is playing... Uh, for them or against them. Um, <laughs> I think he's moved about five times, isn't he? Uh, so they, um, I don't know what they do about it. Uh, I mean, the Germans are um, perplexed too. Mm. Um, they haven't got a solution. Mm. I mean, you can't legislate to stop somebody winning. Um, you, I mean, it, it's, uh, it's all fair is in love and war, isn't it? You know, I mean, they're not the wealthiest team in Europe by any means, Bayern. But they are, they've got a lot more money than anybody else in Germany, which is enough. Um, and with the other clubs being restricted by this 50% plus one rule, 
they can't have a, a foreign owner come in or any owner come in with pots of money and transform them like Abramovich did at Chelsea or the Abu Dhabis did at Man City. I mean, that can't happen because of the constitution of football. Um, so the prospects of the likes of Bayer Leverkusen and Schalke, you know, the nearly men, um, actually overtaking Bayern are, are very remote. Um, Lewandowski uh, scoring goals there. It's like taking candy off children. I mean, it, it's, um, I mean, yeah, he is a great player. The only quibble is he hasn't quite done it at uh, international level uh, with Poland, but they're not, not as good a team as Bayern. Um, he, he is a great striker, no question about that. And they've got a great team. But, it, you know, when they win the title by, you know, with three months to go of the season, they win the cup as well. It doesn't make for great watching, does it? No. Yeah, for instance, uh, in the cup final, 20 minutes, they were done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bayern Munich, the JDT of Germany. That's, um, I'm going to leave that one there. <laughs> um, all right, quick word about Italy uh, before we, we go to our, our break. Um, Lazio lost and probably lost their, their, their title challenge. Uh, they lost at home to Milan. Zlatan scored. But we want to talk about Cristiano Ronaldo. He scored from his 43rd attempt from a direct free kick uh, as Juve won. They're now, what, seven points ahead of Lazio with eight games remaining. Cristiano Ronaldo, Andy Whitelaw, has now scored 25 goals or more in England, in Spain, and in Italy. And he's the only guy to do it. That's, that's GOAT. Yeah, another level, isn't it? I saw Messi doing well the other day and, and just fancy taking it up another gear. I have to say, though, if you're Gareth Bale at Real Madrid or, or Pjanic, uh, you'd get pretty annoyed at the free kicks, wouldn't you? He's an <laughs> unbelievable player, but he's he's not the same level of free kick taker as he is everything else. And I think it would start to irritate you if you were his teammate. Uh, but look, what more can we say about him in terms of his quality? One interesting thing I mentioned Messi was, uh, you know, we know he's unhappy at Barcelona. What if he went to Juventus? What if, what if Juve found the money to put those two together? That would be uh, some real theatre, I think, wouldn't it? One on each flank uh, or just put them up top together. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, in Spain, it's still between Real and Barca. Three points separating them. Both won at the weekend and, and Real again. Sergio Ramos with a very cheeky penalty. Um, all right, we're going to our break. When we come back, we're going to preview match week 34 for you. Hang in there. A two-goal lead, a picture of a goal, and that should be job done. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. is on the ball on BFM 89.9. And we are back. Uh, myself, Ross, along with Andy Whitelaw, Nicholas Arnil and Bob Holmes taking a look at the EPL match week 34. Uh, the games are coming thick and fast. Let's start with Crystal Palace versus Chelsea. Uh, Palace have been out of form since the, the restart, Andy. Chelsea are coming into form. And, and now it's getting to the stage where if you're chasing Champions League football, this is a, a valuable three points away from home that Frank Lampard's side has to get. Yeah, you think down in 14th Palace, really, it's, it's kind of that, are they starting to 
put their feet up? Are they starting to think about holidays already? They've kind of been playing like it. Not good from the Eagles recently, but I definitely think Chelsea will fancy Champions League, particularly after the weekend. We look, I talked about how cohesive they looked under Lampard, but having those options, whether they're playing Giroud, whether they're playing Tammy Abraham, everyone's playing for the manager. Young players getting better and better. Mason Mount getting better every time I see him. Ross Barkley probably in the peak of his career. So he such a competitor is Lampard. 57 points there on. They're just a point behind Leicester. Yeah, they got United in form as well, breathing by, down their necks two points behind. But Chelsea will fancy this and he's got no problem getting his players up for it. Against Crystal Palace, he fancied them to put them to the sword by a couple of goals. Yeah, absolutely. Wednesday, 1 a.m. kickoff. Uh, Bob, Watford are currently above the relegation zone, 17th. Now, it's in their hands. They're playing Norwich at home. Uh, Nigel Pearson's side haven't been great since the restart, but this is the one, right? This is the game that's going to ensure safety. Well, you'd think so. Um, <laughs> it'll be a final fling for, for Norwich. Uh, I mean, mathematically, they can still stay up, but they certainly have to win this one. Watford, I think if they do win this, it's going to look pretty bleak for Aston Villa and uh, Bournemouth. And uh, you would think Watford have got it in them to win this. Um, I mean, they, they were doing all right when uh, Nigel Pearson first took over. And you, you suddenly saw, saw a different Watford. I mean, they have actually got some decent players. Um, and he, you know, he managed to get them out of the doldrums that they were in. And he uh, worked his magic at Leicester, of course, uh, the season before they won the league. It was the great escape. They were one of the few teams to um, be bottom at Christmas and actually survive. And it was under him. Um, so he knows how to rescue a, a club. And if he will be incandescent if they don't get three points here. And I think the prospect of facing an incandescent Nigel Pearson is probably going to be enough to motivate Watford. I, I can't see any other result than a Watford win here. Okay. Um, that one is also uh, 1 a.m. kickoff on, on Wednesday. Arsenal versus Leicester, two teams with European aspirations. Go head-to-head. It's at the Emirates. Now, uh, I want you to talk up Leicester, Nicholas Arnil. Can Brendan Rodgers, well, they've had a good win. Uh, they've shown, maybe they've reminded themselves with that win at the weekend, how good they were at the early, in the early part of the season. Yeah, you know, they were already beating uh, the likes of Man City and Chelsea before the, the coronavirus uh, lockdown happened. And I think they were, they were pretty unlucky against Everton. You know, they should have got something from that game. Um, but they were already showing their class. What I want to see is... Uh, the likes of Kilia Iniacho stepping up, the likes of James Madison. I know he was injured in the last game, uh, but you can't just depend on Jamie Wadi for goals. You can see how Leicester uh, operate. You know, they're such a fluid team, but sometimes the over-reliance on Wadi seems to, uh, you know, be their downfall. Kilia Iniacho was a great talent, uh, you know, and Manchester City, I think he was touted to be one of the, the, the main starters, but then it really didn't happen for him there. And now he's been given a chance, you know, he's been put in a front two system with Jamie Wadi and if they both these players can strike up a good partnership you know there is no reason why they can't unsettle an Arsenal defense that has been you know here and there so you know really looking for Leicester to make at least a point of Arsenal in this match 
Okay, well, it won't be easy, Andy Whitelaw. Nicholas Pepe actually didn't feature in that Wolves win. His wife was giving birth. He'll be back available. We know how useful he is coming off that right-hand side for Arsenal. That's another dimension, and, and that's something Leicester should fear. Yeah, Nicola Pepe has quietly got his stats together. I think it's eight goals, eight assists, or, or around that, and uh, maybe nine goals now he's called from the spot, didn't he? He's such a talent, but one thing that worried Arsenal fans, I think, was the application or the ability to play at the pace in the Premier League. We've seen so many foreign players with big reputations, particularly flair players, not really produce the goods. But even the greats like Robert Perez took a while to find their feet. I think that's happening with Pepe now. And particularly when he plays at the Emirates, he looks a bit more comfortable, doesn't he? I think next season he could hit the ground running. But he's just such a talent. It's almost a question of whether you do play him on that right-hand side. So he can play on the right, he can play on the left. And uh, he's so adept on the counter-attack as well. There's options, isn't there, for, for Mikel Arteta? Saka yeah. can play there. Martinelli injured at the moment, but new contract. He gives you another option. And he likes playing Aubameyang out wide for some reason as well. Can debate whether that's a good idea or not. But the main point really is that Mesut Ozil, the highest paid player and, and supposedly the creator-in-chief, is not being missed at the moment because of these other options. Now, it's a whole other debate as to what on earth is going on there. That For me, that situation is shocking and there's no way back. Even a big FA Cup semi-final goal will not forgive Mesa Ozil's transgressions. He's got to go as soon as possible. Who's going to take him? I'm not sure anyone will at the price they're going to have to pay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, Arsenal uh, against Leicester. It's a 3.15 a.m. kickoff on Wednesday. Uh, Bob Holmes, if Man City can't beat Southampton away, they have absolutely no chance against Steve Bruce's Newcastle Thursday at <laughs> 1 a.m. No. Um, amazing, isn't it? Manchester City. Uh, I mean, you wonder how on earth you get the ball off them. Yet they've managed to lose nine league games. And Pep is scratching his head trying to figure it out too. I mean, they had about 75% possession against Southampton. I mean, their goal was like the Alamo at the end. Fantastic performance by McCarthy, as Nick said. But Manchester City, yes. I mean, after a game like that, it must be very difficult to know quite what to do. I mean, they didn't do a lot wrong. I mean, there was the aberration of the goal. Uh, with uh, Edison finding himself out out of position, but it wasn't it wasn't really his fault. Um, apart from that, they totally dominated the game. They just couldn't find the net. And you might say, "Oh, Aguero wasn't playing," but Aguero was playing for most of those other defeats. So you can't really put it down to his absence. It just wouldn't go in, and it's like that sometimes. I don't think they've got to change their style or anything. I don't think it's in their DNA to try to change it anyway. But um, they are likely to come out steaming. And I think there could be a hiding on here, actually, because they only got, they've only got to get an early goal and they could go on and, and win big against Newcastle. I mean, the golfing class is, is quite huge, isn't it, between them? And it doesn't matter how Pep rotates the side. They've got enough... Uh, talent in there um, he, he is beginning to rotate you could see that that was not absolutely their best 11 I mean Kevin De Bruyne was on the bench Phil Foden was on the bench 
they came on, but it was a bit too late to change things. Um, so I, I foresee a big, a big scoring home win here for City, uh, which doesn't really get them anywhere. And uh, of course, we have to mention the court case because the verdict is uh, coming up. Yeah. It could be this week, yeah. and that could have a massive effect on the club. It's whether they are banned for two years, one year, or not at all. And uh, that, you know, a lot of players have said they'll leave, and Pep, his own future uh, is there's a question mark against it. So uh, it, it's a bit of an anxious time for City off the field. Okay, um, Nicholas Arnold, taking a look at Brighton against Liverpool. It's a Thursday, 3.15 a.m. kickoff. Now, Brighton can actually go and, and, and lose this one because they've done enough. But uh, they won't. They, they're a hard-working side, as we, we've, we've said before. But, but is, is Liverpool going to be too much for them, you reckon? I don't think so, judging by the way Liverpool have been playing uh, in the last couple of games. With the exception of the trashing against uh, Crystal Palace, Liverpool have not been the side uh, you know, that have commanded such a huge lead in the, the, in the league. And I think Brighton will, will take the game to them. Brighton will give them a tough time. They will, they will be physical. They will try to get the second balls as fast as possible. Uh, and it's up to Liverpool to really you know, uh, try and get an early goal. And, and build the momentum from then on. I, I, I sense that Brighton could make a point, but it really depends on who scores the first goal in this match. All right. Uh, strange to be previewing Spurs, uh, Bournemouth versus Spurs on Friday, 1am, when actually Spurs haven't even played Everton yet. That's how, how thick and fast the football is coming along. So let, let's look at Spurs a little bit, Andy Whitelaw, Arsenal fan. <laughs> and, and, and Jose Mourinho. What he said that Sheffield United defeat really, really hurt him, and, and it did. I mean, it, it really set Spurs back. But what he's got to work with, um, do you think Jose is doing what Jose does at Tottenham? It's increasingly looking like Daniel Levy just signed a manager who turned him down once just to prove that he could. I'm not sure about this match uh, between Spurs and Jose. Jose's past few ventures shall we say it seems to be a little bit of a decline he seems to have been found out in terms of almost like clockwork that the whole third season thing the whole signing overinflated players falling out with people ostracizing players as well now I'm not sure about the complete ins and outs of, of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club although I do know that Amazon are filming a documentary about the whole thing <laughs> so so we look forward to that I'm I'm not sure what's what's happening to be honest with Tottenham, and I'm not sure their fans are either. It's got to be frustrating though for them, having had probably massive hopes and ambitions going into this season, and they're even worse off than Arsenal at the moment, uh, which is saying something. Uh, so, how how much how much needs to be done to fix it? I'm not sure because there's still some fantastic players there. Still got Harry Kane. Uh, they've still got uh, talent throughout the squad. I was going to say, there could be a St. Uh, Totteringham's Day uh, this season, <laughs> after all. <laughs> Turn in your calendar. Rub it in, why don't you? <laughs> all right, uh, let's wrap up with uh, a look at Aston Villa against Man United. Man United hoping to make it four Premier League victories in a row. Uh, Villa really, really need to build on, well, the 60 minutes that they showed at Anfield, Bob. Um, if they're going to stand any chance of surviving because games are running out now. 
Yeah, they are. I think when we talk about Villa, you could actually uh, use a recording of uh, every previous show <laughs> in the last five weeks and and say and just play it again because it is the same story, isn't it? I mean, they they just can't buy a goal. Um, they've only managed two points since they came back from five games during the lockdown. I think a lot of people thought that Aston Villa, they you know, they'll get it together. Those injured players will be back back to fitness and Jack Grealish will be raring to go, uh, all that. Um, but it hasn't happened for them. And um, it's not as if uh, the other teams have been any great shakes apart from Brighton. Brighton have been the outstanding team of that bottom few and they've, they're virtually safe. But um, there's been a lot of competition to go down. And uh, But Villa... Uh, are looking are looking like favourites or second favourites after Norwich, aren't they? They're, they're down there with Bournemouth, and it shouldn't be the case, uh, given the money they spent uh, before the last uh, this season started. They spent a lot of money, and I think they've got a good manager, but, but it, it just hasn't quite happened for them. The injuries came at the wrong time, and I, I fear for them now. I, I really do, and I think they're catching Man United here when at the wrong time uh united are on a roll i mean uh forward wise uh their front three have scored more than liverpool's front three between saying something isn't it it is it is but they've still got weaknesses at the back Mm. um uh, they're not they're not quite there yet but i i would say united should win this comfortably do you reckon if harry Maguire wore a sarong during matches he won't get nutmegged <laughs> Just the thought. <laughs> Leave it right. That's it. We're, we're out of time. So I've got to say thanks to the guys. Thank you, Andy Whitelaw. Much enjoyed you coming on the show. Hey, great to be back. Good to see you, boys. And uh, always a little bit easier when Arsenal have won, of course. <laughs> All right, thank you, Nicholas Arnil. Thank you, Ross. Have a great week, everyone. <laughs> yeah, and, and thanks. I thought that's you. why you were on. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks, Bob Hobbs. Okay, thanks, everybody. Um, Right, thanks for listening. Everybody, have a great week and subscribe to our YouTube channel, TFIF on video. Bye-bye now. Some people are on the pitch. They think it's all over. Follow BFM Football on Facebook and catch On The Ball on BFM 89.9. It is Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.